Bracken and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. Cooper puts it in with when things are going wrong against you if you don't get the breaks of the ball Cooper in with Stewart he didn't really know where the ball was but he got the break and as you say it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time knowing that really all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Here We Go podcast. Quite a packed show I suppose for you tonight. We've got a game to review, we've got a transfer to look at. I'll be speaking to uh, Gary Smith, not that one, later on. Um, and obviously we've got um, an upcoming game to preview as well. Richard's with me as always. How are you doing, Richard? Yeah, okay, thanks Martin. That's as, that's as upbeat as we're going to get tonight, folks. Don't worry. We've got two guests for you this evening as well. We'd like to welcome back old friend of the show, Tom Watt. How are you doing, Tom? I have been better, but uh, no, not bad. My, my evening's perked up for speaking to you guys. I would also like to welcome on the show, making our first appearance on here, is Abby Little. How are you doing, Abby? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. It was better three hours ago, but looking ahead. Very much so. Now, before we get onto the relentless negativity that tonight's game is going to bring on, Abby, because it's your first time on the show, we'll just do a little thing where we'll establish your, your top red credentials okay. by asking you some just some questions about your Aberdeen support. And what's your what was your what's your first Aberdeen football club memory? Oh well, I got my first season's ticket with my dad. Um, must have been I was ten, so two thousand and nine, two thousand eight, two thousand and nine season. That year, I, I was no, I think it was two thousand and ten. I was mascot for um, we beat <laughs> we beat Hamilton one nil on a Tuesday night. Chris McGuire scoring a pen. Um, it was all very exciting for uh, eleven year old Abby. So I'd say that was probably my standout moment. But yeah, um, had a season's ticket up until I moved away for uni. Played for Aberdeen Ladies growing up um, from the age of nine until I was seventeen. So yeah, uh, big Don's fan. So uh, what's your favourite Aberdeen memory? Yeah, probably mascot day. I think just because of the excitement when you're that young, um, getting to see like all behind Pataudry and getting to meet all the players, it just kind of makes the following match days like that bit more special because you know you know what's going on back and everything. Winning games on a Tuesday night, that'll never catch on, will it? <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, we, we, can't, we can't obviously let that pass without asking you, of course, you um, early in the season, you were one of the lucky ones that were chosen to have uh, one of the stands named after your family. Yes, yes. Um, and thankfully, it was the 12th of December, which is my dad's birthday. So I actually, my dad's not on Twitter, so I... Uh, I saw the tweet, so I went on and nominated him, and then the lady from the club shop, um, she phoned me on the Tuesday before the game and decided to keep it a secret from my dad, and on his birthday on the Saturday, I took him down to Pataudry. He didn't know what we were doing there, and he showed him the stand, and they were nice enough to give us the poster afterwards, so he didn't know about that either, so he's got that for Christmas, so it's up back at home now. So yeah, that was that was great, that was really good. It's really nice, yeah. That's that's about as positive as I think we're probably going to manage to get tonight. So yeah. thank you very much for that. Um, so uh, Richard, let's get into it. Um, so tonight against Livingston, obviously, we, obviously we spoke last night when we did the debrief at the the, the transfer window slamming shut um, about the strikers we bought in. Obviously, Callum Hendry and Fraser Hornby were both available to play uh, tonight, and we saw Fraser Hornby start. But we had perhaps the worst possible start in the game with uh, Joe Lewis just chucking one in again. Yeah, to lose one game in a season because of a basic goalkeeping error is misfortunate. Um, to lose two looks like carelessness. Um, Oscar didn't let us know what three would mean because who would have thought it possible? Um, highest paid player at the club, captain, and he sold the jerseys again, basically. It's just such a routine ball in. It takes a slight nick, but it takes a, a nick a long way away from Joe Lewis. I know the conditions weren't particularly easy, but... That was just basic stuff, just basic stuff. And you know, the days of Joe Lewis being worth eight to ten points to us a season seem quite a long way away now. 
Yeah, Tom, it's, um, it's, we've discussed this before, so it'd be interesting to get some other opinions on this. I mean, Joe Lewis has been a safe pair of hands for so long to Aberdeen. We're now seeing this season, it's been, it, it's, it's been getting worrying because he, because he is, he's, at one point, I would have not argued he was free, easily, clearly the best goalkeeper in the league. Um, but at the moment, there's just no slackness and mistakes cropping in quite a lot. Yeah, it is. It is getting worrying. Um, I, I mean, I think there, there have been a there have been a lot of players this this season that have had issues with with concentration. And like Lewis, Lewis, he, you know, once a season there was, and it was usually against Motherwell, there was some sort of issue. There was some lapse in concentration, or there was something. But like you say, he was good for ten points a season elsewhere. Not just was he reliable um, at doing the basics. Well, he would make. Like four or five spectacular saves, that, you know, the, of the sort that we've we hadn't really seen for, uh, for from an Aberdeen goalie for for a very very long time. It is a concern that people are picking up on it. The odd blip. I, I mean, I, I would say that it's not even the second one. I think it's probably the third one. The, the Motherwell, the the three 0 game at Motherwell earlier in the season, and the um, the cup tie against St Mirren have all been his fault, and they've not been. You know, it's not been one that's wriggled underneath them or anything. Like it's been losses, complete lapses of concentration. That I mean, tonight's was an own goal. It, I mean, it, it has to be down to concentration. He's not an old goalkeeper. He can't have fallen off a cliff quite like um, you know some some outfield players do. But I think that that something has to be. Maybe like so. Maybe he needs to work on uh, even at this late stage in his career. He needs to work with a, a, a sports psychologist or or a uh, or a, something as part of the game as a goalie coach to just mean that he he's more alert to this sort of stuff because these mistakes are creeping in. And whereas he was always very reliable, we can't rely on him at the moment. I just wonder, Tom. You would watch a lot more of the other SBFL games than, than I would. I just wonder if you've seen anything similar across the league. If it's if you think maybe it's anything at all to do with you know the fact that obviously these are very alien conditions right now. Um, I mean, I I don't think there's a huge abundance of great goalkeepers in, in the Scottish top flight at the moment. Even though he's had his problems, Joe Lewis is still one of the top three or four. Even though he's had a particularly bad season. I do have a hunch that just as everybody in their, you know, anyone regardless of what they're doing, after 10, 11 months of this, is getting more than fed up with it and it, and it's affecting the way that we do everything else professionally. It's affecting our motivation. That has to be the case with footballers as well. But I think as part of their jobs, ha- having to be with... Co- on concentration and having to be about being motivated and up for it every week, clubs have got to do more to mitigate it. I mean, I think across the leagues we've seen freak results, we've seen teams struggle to build up a series of results, we've seen players who previous years have had fantastic seasons not being anywhere like it this year. I think that's kind of understandable. So I don't think it's isolated to goalkeepers, but I think Lewis, who very occasionally had problems very occasionally would have a lapse of of of, um, of judgment or, or or would make a mistake these things have been creeping in more this season and Abby, we've we've mentioned it before um, on here and it's just like and richard quite rightly doesn't put a lot of, lot of um credit in behind the fact that you no know, it's a captain but do you think there's anything to do with the fact that you no know, perhaps in being the captain as well um, there's a lot of, there's pressure on him there's obviously pressure on you know, the manager as well at the moment. Is that is that something that affects his concentration, particularly so early in the game? Yeah, well, I think, you know, a lot of... As you could see, as soon as that mistake happened, uh, you know, the cameras went straight into his face, you could see how, like, horrified he was about that absolute nightmare that he had. And I don't know, I feel that if he wasn't captain and he'd had these mistakes, maybe it would be an, an idea just to, like, drop him for a game just so he can kind of get his focus back, you know, and then, you know, just leads to training hard, a bit harder. But I just think that a mistake like that so early in the game um, just gives you the absolute total fear as a goalkeeper for the rest the rest of the 90 minutes. And it does urge you to do better, but I think, you know, you either need to put all your focus into yourself because you're having a howler and then it kind of lapses in the chance of you to, like, manage your team a bit like a captain should. 
But yeah, I'm not really sure what was going on with him tonight. But I thought that that when Greg Lee gave away the ball as well, just as soon as that happened, it was like time just kind of paused. And I just, I knew then that's when all this optimism that I had after last night's signings just totally fizzed away. Like I saw it was like, oh, well, there we go. That was it. That lasted a good like 16 hours. But yeah. Well, 16 hours at this point in time isn't bad. We'll take it. We'll take 16 hours <laughs> if, if that's all it's on offer. But I, no, I mean, what was very clear was once that goal went in, Joe Lewis's head went to pieces and that transmitted to the entire defence. And it was so much like that Motherwell game early in the season. Just one really basic error. And I think, you know, the first error that day wasn't Lewis. I think it was the second goal that was down to him. And it just... It, it just, I'm not going to say infect, that would be the wrong word to use at this point in time, but you know, the, the whole defence just goes down and everybody was so nervy and so panicky for the rest of that first half. And as if that wasn't bad enough, uh, Abby, you know, within what another five, six minutes, you no, know, Ryan Hedges picks up an injury on his shoulder, uh, we get Marty Kennedy on, but within within two minutes, we find ourselves 2 0 down with some really shocking, non existent defending. The guy Devlin just finds himself in absolute acres of room. And as Richard mentions there, yeah, just the unsureness I think that came from Joe just spread through the defence. Yeah, and that the, what led to that second goal, um, like when Matty put it out for the corner, then as soon as, you know, Livy are setting it up, he's just really slowly, like with his back to, back to um, the corner. Um, straight in back to the box and they've by the time he's turned around the ball's already in the box and he's missed the short and um, the short corner and then I, I don't know I just saw that and I was like it's, you just see him when the camera just zoomed in on him him just like flipping his head around and the ball was already it already been taken the cameras had missed it he had missed it and then before I knew it I blinked and we'd conceded again it's Richard it is starting to get a starting to get a worry I mean no the the def- the defense. No, I know we've had had a couple of nil nils and th- nil nils and that, but the you know, defense hasn't exactly looked looked great. You know, we've been creaking at certain points this season. Uh, another appearance from Martin's cat in the podcast. There, I think we just have to have to recognise that. <laughs> yeah, that was sorry about that. <laughs> well, I, I think it was it was something we clung on to uh, on the back of Saturday's game that we uh, that we said that uh, the defending had, had at least. Showed up a little bit. I think it was three clean sheets in a row after after Saturday's game. Abby is absolutely right to point out that Matty Kennedy was not switched on. Livingston were able to play the short corner, travel quite a long way before any of these seemed to react. Joe Lewis again isn't sure about the ball that comes in. First of all, he doesn't just power it behind. He, he looks like he's trying to take it in, but fails to do that. There's that then like a hat clearance. It doesn't go very far. And just the lack of marking when it comes back in, because it was, it wasn't a fantastic ball. It was into a good area, but it was a floaty ball. It was in the air for a long time. It should have been meat and drink to your centre half, but nobody was anywhere near Devlin. Good header, good finish, but entirely down to our errors, our mistakes, and just mentally the fact that we didn't seem switched on whatsoever. You know, within the first 20 minutes, the game was gone because I knew we weren't scoring twice. We've not been scoring at all lately, so I knew. That you know, going into tonight, no one was anticipating anything other. If we were going to win, it was going to be really hard fought, and we we were going to scrape it maybe one nil through a set piece or something. We weren't suddenly going to become a fast flowing attacking football team just because we've signed a couple of attackers. There are fundamental problems here, which still haven't been addressed, and it seems to be getting worse week on week. Well, Tom, I mean, from the from the start of the game, you know, even you know, discounting the discounting the fact that you know they went two 0 up, the you know, Livy were looked hungrier from the start of the game. You no, know, they, they I mean, we mentioned this before. I mean, the thing that Livy do is they they are, they just they do their jobs very well. You no, know, they they work as a unit, um, and they, they, were, they were hungry in every department, and they totally bossed us, particularly in that first half. And it looked like Aberdeen just didn't have an answer for them. I mean, I, I think the one. The one sort of caveat to this is Livingston are a good team. Like they're not, they're not good and they're not necessarily great individuals. There are a lot of players that have been uh, down through the divisions with them or with others. That, but, but Martindale has got them working as a team. You know, they, they, they're the only team I've seen out with those two in the last few years that have been able to impose their way of playing. Every single time I've seen them, and over the last of what are they like now 14, 14 15 games unbeaten in all, all competitions, 
that that's what they do. They they press incredibly hard. They chase every ball. They've always got someone following up. Um, that, so they they play this kind of very chaotic or seemingly very chaotic um, system. But they're incredibly well drilled, and I think we saw from the, the, the when they effectively rested an entire eleven against uh, f- before the the cup semi final when they played Celtic, and the eleven that came in did exactly the same thing. So that obviously goes right throughout the squad. But I think what like over the over the last couple of years since they've been up, we've been their bogey team. We've known how to get around that. We've known that if they've got the high press, then go long. If they're going to commit three men. Uh, to chase down every ball, then we need to just be a little bit patient and pass around them. And actually, to to a large extent, we did that fairly well on uh, at, at the weekend. And and I was surprised that we seemed to abandon all the good things that we. Did. I mean, partly the the plan went out the window as soon as we were two 0 down um, so early on. But uh, we ha- or, or Derek McInnes thus far looked like he kind of had knew what to do with with Livingston but as soon as they get ahead and for the whole of the first half especially they're very well drilled they're very hungry I mean that this what this wasn't Livingston at full strength they were missing five of their like four certainly four or five of the players that they would that they've started every week with over the course of the um the last couple of months and the the fantastic run that they're on and I don't think there's really any excuse for that to be overrun the way that we were is kind of inexcusable. I think you've got to hold your hands up to some extent and say Livingston are a, are a good team. They they know what they're doing and they 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 can impose this way of playing on other teams. But but not to be able to match that for effort, not to be able to match that, and to not really have any kind of tactical idea of how to get back into the game. If we were going to get back into the game, it was through somebody, one individual doing something unexpected, and like Lewis Ferguson almost possibly should have got us back into it eventually but there wasn't anything that we did from by design that was going to change the course of the game and and again if that that's a huge worry uh, Abby, I think Tom makes a good point there. I mean, you know, Livingston obviously had two change they had to make two changes before the game as well. You know, they had two players injured um for the warm-ups so they were short on subs as well, but you know, the, even tonight the two players that came in they just did their jobs, and it, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't have known. I mean, and could could you imagine this current Derek McInnes team having you know two guys injured in the warm up and us being able to bring out a performance like that? As good as Livingston have been of late, you no, know, Aberdeen are just so far away from something like that. No, I I definitely agree. Um, Steve Lawson as well. He just dominated the first half, and we were just getting totally bullied across the park. And the first half especially. We couldn't string a pass together. Lewis Ferguson was the only one who, in my opinion, was like had earned their wage tonight. And then like he was the only one fighting for the ball, and which obviously ended up in him getting booked. But that just showed, you know, he was actually trying. But no, I totally get what you mean. When I was like listening, when I saw the lineup change just before kickoff. I thought, oh, maybe. Maybe we we will definitely win. You know, I was still so optimistic after being buzzing all day waiting for the game. No, shattered in 20 minutes. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even just any old player. It was the captain that they lost as well, Guthrie. I mean, the guy that's probably been their player of the season. So, you know, any idea, any thought that they might be in disarray just completely out of the window. I think one of the things that, that, they, that they have that certainly we don't, like they know what their plan A is. Every member of that squad is, has been brought in and I mean, it's kind of apparent now that it was Martindale behind the scenes that was doing it. Every member of that squad was brought in to do a, a particular sort of job in a particular sort of system. And they, they messed around with their system at the start of the season. Now they know what they're doing. They they do have a plan B, but you've got to deal with their plan A first. We don't have that. Like We, we still don't know who's what, what our system's going to be. We still don't know how we're going to deploy players. We still don't know who the back line's going to be at different times. We still don't know who are the... If we're going to play wing-backs, who are the wing-backs going to be? Who are the ones going to be behind the striker? Like You might have someone like Matty Kennedy or, or, or Conor McLennan who've been asked to play three different positions in three different games, possibly even four different positions in three different games. That's not a bad thing if you're full of confidence. But if you don't know what your plan A is and you're, you're not being able to impose anything on the other team... Like we're 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 sort of 
stumbling in the dark a little bit, fumbling in the dark for an answer. I think that ties into something I was going to say more generally about the manager and, and really about his recruitment. You know, I think lately it's been a story of acquiring players with attributes he likes who are, you know, maybe some of the better players in the SPFL who would be within our wage bracket. So I'm looking at guys like McCrory and perhaps Kennedy. But instead of utilising them where they work best, he's trying to shoehorn them into a pre-adopted system. I mean, McCrory, it'd be, it'd be an asset to most sides in this league, but you know, what was the plan to use him, particularly in midfield? Um, because you know, what kind of midfielder is he best? Because I definitely don't think he's got the attributes to play as part of a two, which he's obviously currently trying to do. Kennedy is much the same. As, as we really saw tonight, he can create space for himself, but his delivery into the box... It's pitiful, and it's been terrible for quite a while. He really excelled at St Johnston playing off the striker as a 10, but how often have we seen him here playing that similar role? Yeah, I, I really feel as if in the early days of McInnes that you had that he adopted a tactical system that best fit the guys he had in the building, and he stuck with that, and then he added to that by getting in people like Rooney. Now I think the recruitment's been about getting the best quality of player he can, which is fair enough, but then not knowing how to adequately use them once they're in the building. Well, we saw, obviously, the second half comes around, Richard. And we'd, we'd, well, we saw a couple of subs in the subs right towards the end of the first half. Uh, Ash Taylor has to go off injured. We get Dean Campbell on, and then he obviously makes the change of McLennan for Hendry. I've been watching that second half. Under, no, I understand there are two, games, two goals up. I thought Livingston, that was a textbook, a perfect example of game management where they just absolutely slowed the game down. And it really was, it really was a kind of, it was something to wonder at how they just, you know, they just, they just kind of strangled the game. And we, we, we came at the game ever so slightly. Um, but they, they, you never felt that they were anything other than in total control. Well, they sat deeper, so we had more easy possession. Uh, we changed shape. We went to two or three at the back. And that, in a, and that in some respects actually really frustrated me because meant obviously we had Kennedy and Hayes at wing back. But the problem is that the team are still funneling the ball to Kennedy and Hayes to put every attacking move through when they might have done when it was a 4-2-3-1. And the problem then is that Kennedy and Hayes are 20, 30 yards further down the pitch than they would be playing a 4-2-3-1. And that they're isolated because they don't have a fullback who has the ability to overlap them or underlap them or support them. So, you, again, you're trying to play the same way with a different setup, and it's like there's nobody, there's no thought on the pitch, there's no free thinking on the pitch to try and change things up, or indeed the manager's not dictating to his players enough to, to try and change things up. So I thought our execution was poor as far as that went. Um, but yeah, textbook from Livingston. We will obviously, but have to have to mention the the, the big chance, um, Abby. The goal, or well, was it or wasn't it a goal um, from from Lewis Ferguson? Deflection hits the hits the bar. It was definitely over the line a, a bit. Um, what was what was your view on it? Well, the first time, like when it first happened, I I wasn't too sure. But then when they did the replay, I thought that it. I'm not sure, obviously, because we know how windy Pataudry is. I'm not sure if like the um, the side netting was getting blown with the wind, but it looks like the ball hits the side netting just even a wee bit but I'm not sure but I, I do think that if we had if that had been given it would have we, we might have had a totally different end to the game you know I think 2-0 down's pretty disheartening but once you crop once you claw one goal back then it totally changes everyone's attitude you've got that little gl- glimmer of hope um but no wasn't to be I think my gut instinct was was that it was in, but I think also I know that for the whole ball to be over the line, it has to look very in, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, yeah, Tom. I mean, the, obviously the red TV coverage. Um, we Dave, we Dave obviously thought it was a goal, um, but then I think though Billy Dodds and Willie Gardner had about they got to see it about twenty times after the game, and yeah, like Abby mentions there, the net, the the, the net and the goal is blowing in, but. Um, they saw it about twenty times and still can't decide. So um, I'm not. I'm personally not convinced. What about you? Um, Any time I see these, and I think there's like especially when there's there's ones in the the Premier League in England when they they get like video replays of them. Any time I see them in real time, I'm like, there's no way that was in. And then it goes to the the video replay, and I see that obviously it was. So um, I'm not a very good judge of these at all. 
we we kind of got away with one at the weekend, which looked like that may well have been over the line. Did would we have did we deserve it? Not really. Am I happy enough that we don't have VAR to choose these things in the grand scheme of things? Yes, I, I would rather that we had these kind of controversies. I think if you see it back twenty times and you still can't see with any kind of clarity. I am happy for us to miss out on these sort of things occasionally um, just f- for the purity of the game and everything like that. My gut when it when it happened was that it probably was over the line, but I couldn't say that with any kind of certainty. And I don't, it's not like... I mean, occasionally you see them and it's absolutely glaringly obvious that the, the, the goalie has died two feet forward when he's take the, taking the ball. But... I don't know. I don't think we can. We can't have any complaints about it. Yeah. So, uh, Richard, we we saw our two new strikers coming on uh, on the pitch tonight. Sorry, Hornby and Hendry. Um, they do, they look every inch a couple of players that are have barely played in months. Um, never mind scoring goals. Um, Hornby was Hornby was very busy. You know, he was, did a lot of running. Um, I've stole. I've, I'm, I've no shape to admit I've stolen this stat from JJ, a friend of the podcast, JJ Bull, who said that Hornby had 33 touches of the ball tonight. They're unfamiliar with each other as well, which I suppose doesn't help as well, Richard, does it? I mean, he did see a fair bit of the ball, but nothing in his threatening area. But the problem for me was that very often when it was coming into him. It was just bouncing off him and, and, and not sticking. Um, again, a complete mirror opposite to, you know, we spoke about Emmanuel Thomas at the weekend. Uh, he did very well in his 20 minutes that he was on, uh, taking the ball and holding it up and playing others in. And he did a very similar job tonight. The, the contrast with Hornby was evident. But no, certainly I, I wasn't expecting too much off the bat from, from Hornby or indeed Henry tonight, simply based on the lack of minutes. It was going to be the same with Canberry. You know, changing your entire front line was, in a way, in one, and we'll talk about this more later, in a way necessary because of uh, the failures so far this season. But it's high risk. There's no doubt about it because, you know, you, we've changed that. We've changed the strikers and we look every bit as clueless now in front of goal as we did. So what now? Yeah, what what now indeed? Um I mean, Abby. Though I've seen a little bit of already after the game. After the game, it's been going on for for some time now. I mean, the calls for the manager's head are going to be even louder after this, aren't they? Yeah. Um. I mean, I've been saying it for ages. I just I don't understand how. Like we've if we've changed so many people, we've tried so many different things. Um. Something's not working, and I think it needs to start at the top now. And I don't know. I think my my doubts were just solidified. Like when we sold McKenna. And we didn't replace him because their reasoning was we have Ash Taylor. Just totally sums up everything about Aberdeen this last wee while. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm probably not the best person to ask about my opinion on Derek McInnes because, no, I think he needs to leave. It's done, isn't it? We're, we're agreed it's done. It's, it's just a question of just a question of timing. It's just a question of money, presumably, now. His credit line's, his credit line's been exhausted. I mean, it's two years, I think, now since the last result and performance in which you would put in a credit column, which would be the cup winner at Ibrox. Um, I mean, since then, obviously, there have been good nights, there have been some decent performances, but, you know, results which really are in the credit column for supporters are are wins like that one at Ibrox that night. You know, it's it's predominantly down to recruitment, the fact that we're in this position now. Um, But then again, how often this season have we seen him have to change shape after about 20 minutes into a game because he's called it wrong? It's just happening too often. um, We're looking predictable and stale and, yeah, I think it's done. I think you you touched on the the, the even bigger issue before that. Even before we get to recruitment, I think you touched on the the bigger issue just uh, earlier in the show. Like, what's the plan? What... How do we want to play? How are we? What What's the identity? I mean, we 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 almost did we did this pod pretty much last year. What's the identity of this team? When McInnes came in for three years, we knew who we were. We like we knew that if like almost like you know re- replacing the broken parts of a machine. If somebody leaves, you find a like for like replacement. If a Scotland international goes, you replace them and you find someone to do that same job. I think that we 
we are recruiting well in the sense that the players we are bringing in have either potential or have shown that they can perform at, at the level that we're asking to. They've got some history in it. But there's no, like, I mean, we, we could, it's entirely possible that, like, Fraser Hornby could be every bit, like, he could be Scotland's best striker, but we're never going to find that out if he is playing 30 yards ahead of the game at all times and we're just, like, hoping that something lands and sticks. There's, there's not any, there's no cohesiveness to the team. There's no, the only time that we seem to have seen that this season is uh, with Hedges and He Who Shall Not Be Named. Um, that Those seem to be the only times that we've seen something where two players are on the same sort of wavelength. And I think that's where the, that's where the credits run out because you could see where people... I don't have any issue with, with who's been brought in. I don't really even have an issue with... Uh, and McInnes has always been quite good at saying that guy didn't work out. We're going to move him on. I mean, there, it's another question altogether as to whether they should have brought him in in the first place. But he he doesn't tend to persevere with people that are are definitely not working. But what what what's the plan with them? What's the plan with going out? You know, when we brought Hernandez in, what was the plan with with him? When we brought when we brought three strikers in, all of whom are very different sorts of strikers. You know, you you not only is it unheard of to bring in three strikers on the on same day, on the same day, but three very different strikers on the same day. What's what's the plan with that? Is it to try different thing? You know, is it to have a plan B and a plan C? Are we planning playing two of them together? We seem to have a team. The, the subs bench is full of wingers and, and wide players. What? How are these people going to be put together to, at any point? to make a, a cohesive system because player for player we have better players than nine of the teams in the league at least yeah i mean richard i mean it's it's there's there's so many th- so many things you can you can point to i mean no i know this is a bit of a moot point seeing as no none of us can get into the grounds at the moment but i was look, looking at the home record and i was checking through the replies we get on some of the stuff on twitter um, and someone's pointed out that we've got, this is now 17 wins out of 39 at home uh, now you'll now if that's wrong you'll slap me down in about two seconds I'm sure, um, but that's 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 not great that's not that's not the record of a team that's going going the right way is it? Yeah, the thing about Derek McInnes is because his away record is so strong and in fact the strongest we've ever had as an Aberdeen manager his home record has never quite hit those heights, but it's how you keep the majority of your your fans happy is by winning those home games and it's. The last three seasons, Franklin and the league have been have been a struggle. Uh, um, this is actually the the first season where we've won more than half of them in the league, and I, that's a fairly high bar for an Aberdeen manager. And I suppose we are probably going to have to accept that the likelihood is that a new manager comes in. The likelihood is he doesn't do any better than Derek McInnes because Derek McInnes's bar has been fairly high. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be making a change or thinking of making a change far from it. You know, there are plenty of reasons to change manager. I think as well, it, it depends on what bar we're setting here. Like the, 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 the Derek McInnes of the first, his, his first three years, very, very difficult to, to compete against. Like not just, not just the results, not just the, the fact there was a cup there, not just the renewed optimism, like the the football actually go, not just going in the right direction, but there being some absolutely thumping wins and uh, in there as well, and and the level being raised so far. But there were there have been three very good years, one okay year, and now we're we're looking potentially at, at three not just average years, but three years of not great football, of not having a huge amount of direction. And yes, results um, from a mathematical point of view, if you're you know just going through them, they 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 haven't been they haven't been terrible or for a sustained period of time. But I don't think clubs necessarily look to change managers when. Or, or you shouldn't look to change managers when results. I mean, look at Celtic as an example. You don't change man, uh, managers when the results are bad. You change result, uh, change managers when you've lost faith that that manager knows what he's doing to take you to another level. Celtic could have done that with Neil Lennon a year ago because 
half their fan base didn't didn't think he was up to it, but but he kept winning. So you keep you, they, they they kept faith in. And I think that's kind of where we are now. I think it would take something monumental to get people back on side, and a parting of the ways probably isn't bad for for anyone. So last night the transfer window came slamming shut. Now Richard and I, we've already kind of went through the the, the transfers um, bit by bit, but the biggest news was of, was probably the exit of Sam Cosgrove. Uh, now Tom, um, obviously the, the the scandal drama that's came from this was his comments in his interview where he said uh, regarding the training, um, the the, inten- the intensity of Birmingham is something that I haven't done in a few years. Um, so a lot of people are taking that as a as a parting shot, uh, maybe getting a feeling that he was in a bit of a huff with the manager. Uh, Richard and I have spoken about him being a confidence player in the past. I mean, is it is this just him in a bit of a huff taking a, a, part, a parting shot because he's maybe feels unwanted because we tried to ship him off to ship him off to Gwingamp at the start of the season, or do you think there's more in this? I, I think it was probably just. Uh incredibly poorly judged comment I mean uh, heaven forbid anyone would want to ship me off to you know western France for <laughs> for a couple of years and pay me handsomely for the for the privilege uh, heaven forbid that and I mean I, I think if you take it in the context of everything else he says in those interviews he's largely fairly fairly complimentary about um, I don't think it reflects particularly well on him, even if it was just an accidental thing to say, um, because I don't. I, I think of all the things that that um, like if you listen to to other professionals around the club, the 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 training is not something that is particularly that ever comes up as a, 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 a as a negative. I, I mean, I did think it was possible that he'd he'd said that because he himself has been injured out in and out of the team and. Reading between the lines, it sounds like he's known that he was off at least since. If he didn't know the destination, he knew that that this was likely to be his uh, his final few months at the club. So that may be may be the case. Um, so I, I don't think there's necessarily anything to read into too much in terms of the the structure of the club and the way that they they train. I just it seems like a it seems like a daft thing to say and, and if it was a parting shot it, it it does come across as being slightly ungrateful giving, given that well I mean it, it has to have been more intense than the training you were doing with Carlisle Reserves um, so I, I don't know I, I think probably we're reading a lot into it because of the way that it happened and the the, the, like subsequently, obviously now we're thinking, and the fact that he's not been at the races at all this season. Yeah, I, I have to agree with Tom there. I think the likelihood is that um, it was just a footballer choosing his words poorly, which would hardly be a surprise. Um, but you know what it's like these days. People are looking for ammunition to use against the manager because that's what social media is like. So those that are looking for it would found it. Um, Sam Cosgrove definitely has a lot to, to thank the manager for. Um, I don't think anyone could deny that it's a, that it's a decent bit of business for Aberdeen. It's definitely not top of the market. Um, that was probably the 10 minutes between him scoring at Parkhead to make it 20 goals before Christmas and then getting sent off in that same game. And as for folks saying it's a steal, I think that completely overlooks just how heated that market that we're selling into still is, even despite the global circumstances. And Abby, what's your what's your feelings on the rest of the transfer business? I mean, despite tonight, uh, obviously, um, are you happy with the arrivals and exits? Yeah, um, I am. I am. But one thing I would like to touch on is when I was watching um, Hendry's interview when he arrived last night, and he speaks about the last time that we played against them. He told Matty that he wanted to go on loan, and now all of a sudden. He seems to be here, and that's happened before with Taylor and all that. So whilst we're speaking about like, you know, management side of the team, or uh, I just feel like our scout system is a bit dodgy. It's like if a player wants to come here, then they just need to put a word in with one of the players, and then that's it. Like, you know, um, the, when our chief scout went down to see another Northampton player, Nash was on the bench. Um, he just said he'd be available. And next thing we know, he's he's back up in Aberdeen. Um, 
So I don't know, when I watched that, it was a little bit, I don't know, I was a bit confused, but yeah, I am happy though. I, I'm glad for a mix up. Something had to change. Um, I think that I, I'm glad to see the back of Scott Wright, obviously. Um, I think Bruce going to Hamilton was quite a good move for him. Um, but yeah, just have to see what happens. I'm excited for Canberra to get in and see, see, uh, how he has an effect on the team. I don't know, Abby, but I'm getting the sense, just a sense, mind you, that you don't like Ash Taylor that much. You'd be right there. You'd be right there. <laughs> He's a bit of a donkey. <laughs> I think it's probably worth just noting whilst we're here that uh, Sam Cosgrove remained on the bench for the entire 90 minutes of Birmingham's nil-no draw this evening. Oh, were they were they playing tonight? I didn't even I didn't even realise. Uh, well, at least I didn't make the mistake of betting on him to score. Um, that's one thing because I didn't know he was playing. Brilliant. So now we're going to have a wee chat with uh, Gary Smith. No, not that one. Um, he's an Aberdeen fan who is currently undertaking a fundraising campaign uh, called Gary's Away Day 10Ks. Uh, now, before I get him to explain all about this, um, we're going to just have a wee chat first. So, how are you doing, Gary? Not bad, Martin. So, uh, we'll have a wee chat about the fundraiser you're doing. Um, so, yeah, so it's called Gary's Away Day 10Ks. Um, uh, it's an aid of AFC Community Trust. So, what was, what, I mean, basically, what was your inspiration for doing it, Gary? Um, I started a while ago um, when lockdown, I, the first lockdown, um, came into effect in March. I wasn't really doing any form of exercise at all, to be honest. I was on I was on the road with my job quite a lot. Also, that came at a grinding halt, um, and I just wanted to keep, you know, get myself fit. So I just started running a few times a week, um, kind of five k's, six k's, seven k's, things like that, and kind of slowly built it up from there. And then I just really got into running over the over the whole you know course of 2020, um, which is something I thought I'd never do because I'd always hated running up until then. Just had no interest in it. But then I just proper got the bug, and um, so I've just kept it going. Um, and I just really wanted to end 2020 on a high note, which was a pretty horrible year for everyone. Um, and I saw the work um, that the community trust had been doing in, in the local community in Aberdeen, you know, helping people um, with shopping and things like that, and, and you know. Not just that, but emotional support as well um, for, for a lot of vulnerable people. So, uh, and I've just been a big fan of the club as well. You, you just want to give back and, and, and do your bit, you know, um, put, you know put, put something back in. So, the initial plan when I kind of concocted it, it was kind of September, October. I started thinking about it, and you know, things COVID-wise weren't as bad then as they were now. You know, that you know things was, you know had eased off a wee bit. Clubs were open, schools were open. Um, you, you could move about places. So I initially planned to um, travel to wherever Aberdeen were playing, um, run a 10k in the first half, and then do another 10k in the second half, and, and that would be that. But then it was the night before um, the first game, well, the first game I was due to do it, which was Kelly away on the 20th of December. Yeah, it was a Saturday night that there was all these new restrictions put in place, um, understandably, to be fair. Um, things were also on a, on a downward trajectory and haven't really improved to any great degree since. So I kind of changed the plans a wee bit. And because I'm, I live in Murray, I'm quite lucky to live you know, near quite a lot of Highland League grounds. So um, my first run was from Elgin City and I've also run uh, you know, the stadium at Lossay, Forest, Bucky and then recently Rothes. So I'm going to keep it going locally um, for as, as long as I can and then see what it takes me. Um, I'm going to have to ask you because I obviously noticed this on your Twitter. Um, you learnt an important lesson about not wearing the new Aberdeen away top on your runs, wasn't it? Did you? Yeah, you do. Um, that, <laughs> it was. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I wear thermals underneath now to stop not just not just for a fit to keep myself warm, but to stop that as well. When I wore that um, away top for the first time in a run, yeah, it um, was bad. The panels on it are bad for chasing. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So when I got back from my run, that was quite a long run I'd done that time. But when I got back from that run, it looked like somebody just torn off my nipples with pliers. And it was uh, it was uh, quite a scene in the kitchen when I got home and realised. Because I, I honestly didn't even realise when I, while I was running. I don't know if the adrenaline just kept it going. But then, yeah, I was bleeding from two 
areas on my chest when I got home and it was a the shower afterwards was a, an interesting one it was a bit nitty like yeah it was um it was the, the good thing about that was it was doing the rounds on whatsapp and I got it from people who I know don't even know you um I it took off on twitter to be fair um because I posted a picture of, of the shirt on twitter and it got quite a lot of interest but yeah, lesson learned. So either plasters or thermals underneath from now on. Uh, it's it's cold. It's cold, so you'll mostly be wearing thermals. Um, maybe 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 one of the last last one or two, you might might be okay with just a t-shirt. I uh, will see. We'll see what the, the northeast weather does over the next few weeks. Yeah. So you've said you've done. Is it five you've done so far? Yes, it is. Yeah, I just did my fifth one on Saturday past there for for the Liddy game. Okay. So I went out to to Rothis to, to run that one, which and it was it was hard to eke out a ten k in Rothis. It's not there's not a lot in yeah. Rothis, so it was basically running around in circles for for ninety minutes in the in the ice and the snow, and it didn't have any four G, so I didn't even hear much of the game. So uh, not that I missed much, to be fair. I got two nil nils on the bounce, um, which you know, so I haven't, I haven't missed too much. But um, yeah, next next one up's Hibs on uh, Saturday, so I'm going to go to Keith for that one. Um, and I'm fast running out of grounds now. To be honest, I might need to start going back to the start or start doing some junior grounds like Aberlour Villa or something like that. Um, I'll be scraping the barrel for stadiums because I'm, I'm keen to stay in Murray um, if I can, just to kind of abide within the guidelines. You know, near the county you're up the road, but they're technically in the Highland yeah. Council. Um, you know, Huntley are just down the road, but that's the Aberdeenshire. So I'm, I'm keen to stay in Murray if I can. Good stuff. Um, I'd like to say so. Um, what we'll do is obviously we'll um, we'll we'll share that on the share the link on the page as well. If you're able, if you're listening out there and you're able to donate, that would be great. Um, understand a lot of people, you know, money's tight at the moment and people are struggling as well. If you can't do that, just give us just give it a retweet. Hopefully, hopefully, no, we can raise we can Gary here can raise plenty of money for the. For the community trust, it is a, the, the, the work they do is fantastic. Um, Gary, the, I know they can find you on your your at Gary the Dandy eighty seven on Twitter. Hopefully, you know, g- give him a give him a follow. Uh, he puts up updates before and after the games. The games, uh, it's magic, and you know, um, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, Gary. Thanks very much. Magic, Martin. Thank you. All the best. So anyway, um, we've got another game coming up in, at the weekend. Um, we're uh, facing Hibs away uh, now. Hibs won two one tonight. Uh, Tom, we're now two points behind them. Okay, with a game in hand, uh, and Livy are now f- just five behind us f- c- because of their fantastic run. Um, there's just loads to be positive about right now, isn't there? It's suddenly a very, very big game. Um, there's suddenly an awful lot, uh, uh, an awful lot riding on it. And I mean, Livingston's res- Livingston's run of 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 like, their fantastic run will come to an end at some point, but they don't look like a team that's going to be derailed by, you know, a, a couple of consecutive defeats. I think they are they are right in this, and I think for all the chat, even as much as a, you know, even as even from last night of the signings being brought in so that we can put in a real challenge for second, that is daft. As things stand at the moment, we are the. I mean, if you would not be at all confident saying we'll finish fourth, let alone third at the moment. Um, I think that Camberry is an interesting proposition, not least because him, the, the, there is the possibility that uh, he could come in for that game against Hibs, and there does seem something particularly Hibs-ish in the way that he left Hibs if he went back and 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 scored against them. But I don't think either. I mean, Hibs have Hibs have now had a, cu- a couple of uh, decent results, but neither of us has been in particularly good form. I think where they seem to have um, what does seem to have gone right for them in the last couple of weeks is they they found a system that's meant that they can get more out of Jackson Irvine and, and Chris Cadden coming in. So huge result, uh, sorry, huge huge game at the weekend. Um, I think we're like we're we are very definitely in a in a three horse race um, for for third, and you you don't feel particularly confident. If I mean, if we win at the weekend and we can go back, what what's so frustrating about this is had we won 
tonight had we won at the weekend we could I mean had we won any of the, the, the various draws that we've had recently we could conceivably have been five or six points clear of Hibs with a game in hand we're not we're now behind them with a game in hand that I don't feel particularly confident that we're, we're, we're going to win and Livingston are the momentum team we, we like it's a huge game like if we if we lose this weekend they're we think there's disgruntled fans at the moment, but if we lose the week at the weekend, then we are we're in the the season's not done. But where does the spark come from? I suppose though it is Hibs. So yeah, I mean that's the only thing we've really got, we've really we can really bank on that. You know, Hibs Hibs have always got a Hibs Hibs have always got a banana skin um, under their foot. So. Um, hope you know, this could be the thing that turns the season around. It's not even the finale; <laughs> it's just the whole kind of lads. It's Hibs, you know. <laughs> if if you if you're looking for a team, generally speaking, mentally weaker than us, well, there you go. It's Hibs. I mean, they've lost as many winnable games and thrown away as many winnable points as us this season. I mean, a few weeks ago, they got hammered to be now at home by Livingston. They've blown two cup semi-finals in which we're heavy favourites this year already. To be honest, most of the teams in the league, the way we're playing right now, I'd, I'd almost be writing Saturday off, but not Hibs. <laughs> so, Abby, definitely. No, Richard's surely talked you around there and you're full of confidence for Saturday now. Uh, well, I don't know. I think Hibs being St Mountain tonight, who were on a high after beating Celtic at the weekend, and us being defeated by Livy just doesn't really sell us up, doesn't fill me with confidence at all. I mean, I want to be as positive as the next person, but... I'm just slowly trying... Okay, I think I have to give myself a, a pep talk almost um, before <laughs> each game, and I'm like, no, it's okay, we'll be fine. And then by half-time, I'm just like, why do I bother? But I, I'm in agreement that this weekend is very, very important, and I would love for them to prove me wrong. I would love it. More like more than anything else, it would make my weekend. That brings the podcast for this week to a close. Um, just want to thank Tom Watt for coming on. Tom, it's always been a pleasure pleasure to have you back. Thank you very much for having me. Hopefully no next problem. time in more uh, positive circumstances. Absolutely, you know, we'll meet, we might even have some some goals for you to discuss, or you know, you can give us some proper stats next time. Um, also, want to thank Abby Little for coming on her first appearance on the show. Thank you very much, Abby. Thank you for having me. It's been good fun. No problem. And, yes, and as always, thank you very much, Richard. Cheers, man. No worries. Now, we'll be back um, on the whistle on Saturday with uh, another riveting episode of The Debrief. Uh, but until then, come on, you Reds. <laughs> <laughs>